2023 ended with a bang and it's off to the same new normal of crazy and attacks against the global majority in 2024. Welcome to the Rich Black Woman podcast where we empower you to be rich in mind, body and bank. I'm your host Yaz and we would be remiss without talking about Queen Taraji P. Henson who set it off at the end of 2023 just a few weeks ago with her incredible authenticity and humanity discussing the disparate pay difference between Black actresses and pretty much everybody else. We know Taraji as the acclaimed actress who has starred in multiple box office films that have hit number one series, The Empire Show that she had, which was number one, Hidden Figures, another film that really taught us a lot about history and newfound respect for the women of Hidden Figures true real-life heroes, sheroes, baby boy, the curious case of Benjamin Button, and so many more. In fact, there was a recent article in MSNBC, MSN.com, that stated from their estimation that she has been a part of more than $3 billion in terms of highest-grossing films, all of her films combined when we look at what they grossed over the course of her career, it's been $3 billion. So she can also hold her own in bringing box office revenue. What was so moving about the SAG-AFTRA Members Foundation conversation, which is really where the gist of what she was talking about came from, I know that there's the secondary interview that she did with Gail King on Sirius XM. However, I encourage all of you to listen to or to watch on YouTube the actual full hour conversation that she has with Angelique Jackson, who is with Variety Entertainment Magazine, which is like the premier entertainment magazine for everyone in the industry. And Taraji has a very honest conversation walking through the different twists and turns of her career, but she also spent a lot of time talking about the pay inequity and also some of the things that she learned throughout the process. It is definitely worthwhile a listen and a watch. And also there's a lot of great nuggets that can be learned from what she shared, and we'll talk about those. So SAG-AFTRA, as many of you guys may know, that's a Screen Actors Guild. And then there's a foundation part to that. And that's what what was the stage for this conversation that Taraji had. And basically what Taraji reminds us of is how she is constantly having to remind others in the industry of who she is as an acclaimed actress and also economically, and that she is constantly being lowballed. So I think for most Black women, we've all experienced that across the entire globe, knowing that or discovering that we were lowballed, discovering that somebody who's more junior or someone with less experience and talent is making more than us simply by the fact, and the statistics and the data supports this, 
because we are women and also because we are Black. And the data does not lie. There have been countless studies, repeated studies that back this data up. So Black women are not making this up. We're not crying wolf. We are not crying victim because we show up and we perform every day despite all of those odds. And in fact, we are the victim of discrimination when it comes to pay inequities. So this would be like the way that Taraji explained it would be like if you were a software engineer or a nurse, and let's just say for the purpose of easy math, you're, you know, for your industry, you should be getting paid $100,000 for the work and experience and your particular vocation. However, you're being offered half that, 50000 yet the market rate is 100000 None of us would be happy with that, particularly if you are good at your job and you've been in the game a minute. And this is what Taraji was tapping into and letting us know and seeing this wider lens of for someone of her caliber and her acclaim, she is constantly fighting. And we tapped into that when she, when you heard the emotion in her voice, when you heard the pain and the depths of that and the constant fight that she talks about, that she constantly has to reprove herself again and again. That resonated with so many Black women. The social media sphere went off the charts. Everyone was weighing in because we do recognize this. This is something that is felt not just within Hollywood, but it's every single industry where we are. We are constantly finding out that we've been lowballed. And according to the data, and this is from Lean In did a study and they do a report every year. It basically says the same thing, unfortunately. But they say, according to the Lean In study, Black women are paid less than white men and white women. On average, Black women in the U.S. are paid, listen to this, 36% less than white men and 12% less than white women. And that can differ depending on which study, but Lean In is a good source and point of reference. So for example, let's break this down. So if a white man is making $1, a white woman's making 73 cents, a black woman is now making 64 cents. That's just, it's unconscionable. And it is really, it's unethical. It's not moral. It's what, unfortunately, this country continues to do. And that is ensure that black people are not given the economic equity that is due. Um, and we're being robbed. We're being robbed. So the pay gap even widens, you guys, for women who are educated. So for Black women who are educated, um, you know, you did your thing. You were fortunate to be able to go to college and you still, <laughs> it doesn't even help you there sometimes. Even Black women with a bachelor's degree earned 36% less than white men with bachelor's degrees on average. Let that sink in. So that's to all the naysayers that say, well, you know, well, maybe she doesn't have the same qualifications as her um, non-Black counterparts. Well, this is basically blasting that lie to smithereens and saying, no, with all things being equal, even still, we are being lowballed initially from the jump for lesser pay. And so that's where the bias comes in. That's where the discrimination comes in. And this is problematic because over the lifetime of a Black woman in her career, in her workplace, she is losing up to estimates show 
almost a million dollars over a lifetime. So think about that. Think about a million dollars of lost earnings. That could be a permanent home for you and your family that then now is passed down from generation to generation that also could be leveraged to pull out capital to invest in a business or to send children to college or for whatever you want to do with it. You know, folks, I see folks all the time, if they want to remodel their house, what do they do? They pull money out of the house. So whatever you chose to do, you should be able to do it with. Well, Black women are not being able to do that, which also means that we are being underprepared for retirement. And, you know, we're all about health and wealth and wealth is tied into your health. And so when we hear all of these statistics about black women, this black women, that dying from this, having this at a higher rate, trust and believe, beloveds, it is not because we are inferior. It is not because there is something genetically wrong with us. It has everything to do with the experience of being us in a anti-us society. And so we are going to talk about, okay, these are the facts. Yes. So what do we do about it? Because, you know, I'm all about hope and being um, half, you know, the glass is half full, being an optimist and being empowered because we're not going to be hopeless. We're not going to just sit and take this. We're going to be educated and we're going to be moving with strategy. And so that might be, these might be the facts, but now that we have the facts, what can we do about it? And the number one thing I want to talk about here is if you listen to the SAG-AFTRA interview, I so encourage you to do that. One of the things that Taraji highlights is having a sister circle. And she specifically says sister circle. Now, I believe there's a couple of reasons why you need to have the sister circle. When Taraji was talking about it, she was talking about it from a mental health perspective. And I absolutely agree. You must have your sister circle in place because you need them to help you calibrate and to encourage you and to motivate you and to reinforce that you are not crazy and that what is happening is happening. You also need them to talk you back from the edge, from the ledge, to also help you with your strategy, to know when to strike, when to ask for an increase, how to negotiate, helping you to take sometimes the approach differently, um, helping you to soothe the anger, the righteous anger that you should have that any normal human being would have and how to present that case forward so that you're heard, you're understood, and that you get what you want, right? Um, So having somebody as a sounding board, and I would really say expanding this to having mentors and having elders, okay? And when I talk about elders, so you can have your girlfriends that you can complain to, but also hopefully give you input and strategy, but then you're going to have your elders. These are people who are in your industry, whatever that might be. They are seasoned. And then also they might be your peers too. So they might be in a similar field. Uh, Perhaps you met them at an event or something or whatever, someone that you've met that has a similar background. And so these are going to be people who are going to counsel you, give you feedback on the going rates for things, on things you can ask for. They're going to be your hype 
team. They're going to be the folks who either green light or give you some red light, you know, caution lights to um, help you as you lean into your sister circle and lean into whatever your ask is of your employer, et cetera. So not only are you going to have your sister circle, you're going to have your council of elders. And these are wise people who are in your industry and peers that you can run information by. Now, in this elder crew too, it's important if you can have some honest conversations about money. And so we need to get really comfortable in talking about money things. Because of my experience in sales and everything being about money when you're in sales, I learn very quickly to have conversations about money off the bat. And to also listen, because people in sales (laughs) like to talk about money. And so one of the best things you can do is to let other people around you talk. And you know how it is. For whatever reason, people often think like we're their BFF in the office. They just don't even know. And they, if you listen, they will tell on themselves and give you rich information that you can utilize then for your own leveraging and for your own additional kind of benchmarking within your your field and your industry. So listen, cultivate relationships with people too in your workspace, not just that look like you, but that look like others around you and become trusted with them as well. And so they will trust you too and find out the things that you can ask for. You know, I remember once I was on a flight and there happened to be an executive sitting next to me and he struck up a conversation and I found out that he was a high level senior compensation executive. And the things he told me that high level executives get, I was like, wait, what? And it would make, it would put to shame the things that you think are big ask that you're nervous about asking for. And so don't ever be afraid to ask for the things that you need when you are negotiating. You know, some of the things he shared with me, if folks are moving to another city, ensuring that their kids get into specific schools, specific high-end top schools too. So it's not like you can just, you know, waltz in, but apparently you can waltz in if you've got the right connections. And so these were some of the things that some of these companies were doing for their high-level executives, making it easy basically for their family to thrive in these new spaces and places. There is literally nothing you can't ask for. Then there were some things about real estate and homes that um, he was sharing with me. I mean, it was just mind-boggling. And so if you're scared about asking for a signing bonus, oh my goodness, do not be scared about asking for a signing bonus. You should be asking for a signing bonus for these corporate jobs wherever you go, because it doesn't hurt to ask. Ask, knock, and you will receive. And so each time you're going to get better as well. So the other thing I want us to think about is practicing what you're going to ask for. And this is important to run by your council of elders and your sister circle, your trusted sister circle. And so you're going to write out your script for what you're going to ask for when you are going to a new job or you're asking for a promotion. You're not going to go in there willy-nilly. You're going to go in there rehearsed. 
You're going to write it down. You're going to practice it. You're going to role play it so that it just flows. Okay. It just flows. Matter of fact, and you've got that confidence and you will be surprised when you hear the yes or what you're going to hear back is, okay, let me take that back. And then here comes the counter offer. So I want you to get confident and competent and what to ask for and how to ask for it. And you're going to practice this and you're going to talk to other people and get informed about what other people are making. You're going to use other people as your sounding boards in the industry to find out, hey, you know, this is what I'm being offered. Does this sound like an equitable offer to you for a person of my caliber with this experience and for this role? So spend that time. Don't ever give your yes right away. Say thank you for this offer. I'm excited to review it. I will get back to you. And you want to generally do that via email because it just gives you a bit more control and recruiters are going to be used to this. So of course, they're going to call you and see if they can get that yes right then and there. Um, But you're going to communicate back to them via email. You'll say what I just said on the phone, obviously, since they called you, you picked up the line, but then you're going to get back to them to recap what you just were offered on the phone via email. So those are some of the steps you can take. Now, let's kind of go back a little bit to talked about this intense and immense pay differential between what black women are offered and what white men and white women are offered, right? And on average, I was looking at some data and did the math. On average, for several different industries, and we looked at, I looked at for teachers, for RNs, and for medical physicians, on average, so these are people who all have the same credentials, they all have the same um, study and experience. We were discounted 22%, okay? So if on average we are being underbidded nearly 25%, but you want to come in right at that same level as your non-Black counterpart, you need to be upping that significantly so that then you actually get the fair and equitable offer. So I want to encourage you to do the math, find out if you can the the base of that base salary plus the high of that salary bandwidth, and then do some calculation of where you want to land. And also keeping in mind that you've probably been lowballed probably at least 20, if not more percent. Okay. So keeping that in mind, you most definitely want to ask for more than 20%, right? Because if you're being lowballed 20% and you want to make sure you get up to 20%, that means we're going to have to have to ask for more than 20% to get to where we want to be. Sounds good? All right. I know I said 20% a lot, but just keep that in your mind. You'll remember that. Ask for more than 20%, okay, than what they've initially given you. And you will feel a lot better about that. And then always ask, you know, what is there a signing bonus opportunity for me, given my talent, my skills, and that I'm leaving my other organization and I'd like to be, you know, incentivized and made whole. So those are some of the things that you can talk about. So I want to hear from you guys in the comments and on our Spotify survey and be sure to take a look at that. 
what are some of the things you think we can do to have more equitable pay and to come into the process knowing it's a game, knowing that we need to play chess, not checkers, knowing that we're being undervalued and underestimated and understanding, you know, the stress that comes with oftentimes being the only person in your field, et cetera, um, in, in your company, right? Like there's a weight and there's a cost to that. So how can we make this um, beneficial to you? So do tap into your wisdom circle. And then I also want to say, you know, along with what Taraji was saying about your sister circle is, please, if you're a Black woman working in just working, I don't even want to say working corporate America, whatever field you're in, corporate America, white collar, blue collar, et cetera, please develop a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. And it's not because you're weak. It's actually because you're smart. It's actually part of your self-care in trying to deal with the society today. You know, we're coming right off the hills too of just the tragic loss of Dr. Claudine Gray at Harvard. And what we know was definitely a propaganda attack, really meant to uh, attack women, Black women, as the uh, poster child for why diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts should be stopped, despite this country's history and continued history. So, you know, things are heavy. Things are heavy. They've started off heavy for 2024, but we are resilient. We are going to be taking care of ourselves in 2024, advocating for ourselves. So tap in to all the resources and benefits you need to take care of yourself, sis. So with that, I rest my case. I hope that you learn some new tips and advice and that you will begin to put into place your sister circle, your council of elders. You will do your research so that you go into these negotiations with competency and with confidence. Until then, live richly.